1: Welcome everyone to the Sunday edition of BAM's radio after Alabama's successful road trip to Lexington, Kentucky, a 49 to 21 win for the Crimson Tide on the road. and really wasn't that close. Alabama led 21 to nothing in the first quarter. And I think I thought showed a lot of maturity. And as Coach Saban would say, they didn't listen to the rat boys and, and ended up uh, getting a big win. Uh, over the Kentucky Wildcats where they were really never threatened in the game. Uh, Jalen Milrow showed a lot of toughness. There's a difference between playing injured and playing hurt. He got injured early uh, but was able to uh, uh, you know, play through it, and show some toughness after he suffered that bruised thigh and had one of his better games and accounted for six touchdowns, three passing, three rushing as the Crimson Tide dominates the Kentucky Wildcats. Moved to 40 and 2 overall in the series history between the two programs. Not an extensive history. And when who knows when they'll play again, might be a few years, but Alabama gets the big road win. They moved to 9 and 1 on the season, now have the Chattanooga Mocks upcoming, where they were on, uh, you know, Nick Saban would tell me that uh, this was more rat poison and you can't, you know, take your eyes off of the opponent. But we know Alabama's going to beat Chattanooga. They're going to rest some guys. They'll be 10 and 1 headed to what is now turning into a very interesting Iron Bowl where the Auburn Tigers are very likely to have a four game winning streak and be 7 and 4 hosting Alabama in a couple of weeks in the Iron Bowl. We're going to take a look back at this Kentucky win and discuss that and discuss the crazy climate. This has been a nutty Sunday uh, so far in college football. it's almost been a black Sunday, even before the end of the regular season. And because of the transfer portal, because of NIL and recruiting and the early signing period in December, some schools already making coking changes. And, I, you know, we don't have the ability right now. Thomas probably could pull it up, but I'm not going to put him on the spot where we can play taps. But we certainly could, and, and uh, we would also be paying homage to our veterans on this Veterans Day weekend. But the tenure for Jimbo Fisher of six years, in College Station, Texas, A.K.A. Dirtneck, is now over. He has been fired. Elijah Robinson will take over as the interim head coach for the rest of the season. The Aggies, and they do it after a 51 to 10 win over what is, I'm sure, to be another school looking for a coach soon. Zach Arnett at Mississippi State, and also after what happened uh, in Fayetteville yesterday, almost assuredly. Sam Pittman in Arkansas. We're going to break it all down with the usual cohorts, Thomas the Wizard Watch, our producer, and our football brainiac in Mobile, who will give us his thoughts on the Alabama-Kentucky matchup and on this this, uh, changing coaching landscape. Also, William Redfish Barger from 89 to 93, a national champion with the Crimson Tide and somebody that has a lot of connections through football, including in the coaching fraternity, and we'll get his thoughts as well on everything that's good, transpired. But William, uh, I guess let's take a look at the game first. It was a, I mean, and this is a good thing. I, there was a lot of anxiety during the week that this might be a a trap game for Alabama, but that never really transpired. Alabama went on a business trip to Lexington, and they put this game away quickly. Yeah, and I mean that was probably the the
2: uh, that that first half uh, certainly. Um, replace some of the demons that I had from September. Uh, oh. um, it, it, you know, it, it, you just, we, we talked about it on the show, you know, once the, you know, you started seeing that trend of, you know, the great second half comebacks, Um, you know, with, with uh, A&M and, and, you know, slow start against Ole Miss, slow start against, um, Tennessee, you just kept waiting to see that, you know, transfer over into the first half of the following week, and it never did. Well, it finally did uh, uh, Saturday. And, and, you know, there were a lot of, um, you know, factors that pointed to that game kind of being a sluggish game for Alabama. You know, the the way the, you know, the, the late game against LSU, um, you know, the 11 a.m. kickoff, which is no fun for a player, uh, you know, it was a little bit chilly up there yesterday at kickoff, but they, uh, they came out, you know, and had, had, you know, what Burton key and Lawson, um, you know, three starters that didn't play and, uh, you know, they came out of the gate fast. Um, you know, I, I thought that, uh, you know, w- was really concerned, um, that that was a, you know, a hit pointer and it may be for for Jalen Milrow, but I was proud of the way he played through it. I mean, hell, every time they panned over to the sideline when the defense was on the field, they were doing a different type of therapeutic uh, uh, process on him to try and keep that leg loosened up. But, um, you know, I thought the whole team played well. Um, I thought the defense got hosed a little bit on that fumble there at the end on the goal line. Um, You know, they, they extended a drive that led to Kentucky points with the. Uh, rough in the pass or penalty, but, you know, they, 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 you know, Kentucky was never a threat. They were never in that game. And, uh, you know, you just continue to see improvement. Um, you know, the offensive line's getting better. I mean, Jalen is you know, who would have fought October 1st that we'd be sitting here on the second weekend in November and Jalen Milrow would have broke to a tongue of record for the most touchdowns scored by a quarterback in a single game. I mean, that that just, I can't even believe I actually even just said that. (laughs) But, you know, take, take, you know, give all the credit to, you know, Nick Saban and Tommy Reese and and Jalen Milrow. I mean, they've, you know, watching these games, you know, the last, you know, three weeks, uh, compared to what they looked like in September, I've, you know, even the 2015 season with the um, abortion that was the old Miss game, and I think that was more of a, you know, a factor of them starting Cooper Bateman instead of Jacob Coker and and uh, getting behind the eight ball versus um, where this team has come early in the season to where they are now. Um, it's it's I mean it is such a fun product to watch, and, and I don't care you know if it ends. Um, you know, in the SEC championship game. Um, I I think this team has, uh, you know, exceeded my expectations. I think it's the best coaching job uh, that Nick Saban's done in his tenure at Alabama. Um, I would say probably, you know, the only other one that I would even throw in the mix would be how quickly he turned things around in the season they had in 08 with – you know, 90% of the starters still being Mike Sheila recruits. Um, So it's just been a fun, you know, transformation to watch. Um, I I thought yesterday it was great for – and I'm I'm not, you know, happy that the young man was so sick he couldn't play, but I thought it was good for the team that, that Burton was, you know, on the shelf yesterday. And you got to see some other people get targets at wide receiver. Um the the play design, my favorite play of yesterday of all of, them, um, was, was the scene pass to CJ Dupree. I thought that was a beautifully designed um and executed play. I wish they'd run it three or four times a game. Uh still want to see more Kendrick Law. Um but, you know, I, and I was, you know, totally taken aback, Dre. I was talking to Thomas about this earlier. So look up there, I think, with 12 minutes left to go in the fourth quarter and Ty Simpson's in the game. And, you know, got, Ty got one series with starting offense and then, you know, the, the, the backups all came in. So, you know, on the road in the SEC, that's, that's, you know, a great learning experience for all those players. Um, you know, I think you got to see some flashes in, in his limited time as to why, you know, some people – uh, thought Ty was eventually going to be the starter. Um, so, you know, um, just all good things. Uh, you know, I thought the defense did a, did a really good job, um, you know, of, of keeping that Kentucky offense under wraps. I mean, it was funny there by the middle of the second quarter that they thought they were just going to line up and run the ball down Alabama's throats. But, um, you know, all in all, man, I mean, I thought it was a real, real – November Saturday for Alabama. You know they've got. And I, I don't. I don't even know what I can add to the discussion about the moccasins, other than uh, one of my former teammates, Lorenzo Wanny Ward, is their defensive coordinator. I know nothing beyond that about about <laughs> Chattanooga. Um, but you know that that needs to be another one. Um, hopefully by twelve minutes in the third quarter, that all the starters are standing over there next to Nick and um it 's a revolving door at quarterback till the game's over with, but um you know I, I thought it was a great game. i thought the the you know team went up there and handled their business um and and really i mean i i think as far as you know going back to jalen milro um you know I, I wanted to see him progress he's done that um you know he he 's no longer a one read quarterback um there were yeah. multiple examples of that in that game yesterday. Um, I wanted to see him, you know, play that way and at that level for more than one half of football. He he exercised that demon yesterday. And and he, you know, obviously had a painful, you know, injury that he was able to um, you know, show some toughness and, and play through. So, you know, that that's just another example of why he's so well thought of and respected by the coaching staff and his teammates and you know, the the you know, at this point, you know, it's it's you know, for somebody to, st- you know, not be on, on the Jalen Milrow train, um, you know, you, you can hear it each week out of the broadcaster's mouth. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be preseason next year up for every award that there is a quarterback can, can win. And, uh, you know, that'll be the next hurdle in his development is, you know, how do you, um, you know, respond to that? But, you know, in in, in one season, Especially when you factor in the you know the Texas game and then what happened against South Florida the next week, I don't know if I've ever seen a college quarterback overcome all the obstacles that he has. you know still put a smile on his face on Saturday and um you know wait to shake every player's hand before they go in the locker room after the game. It's
1: really been a fun transformation to watch it really it really has i mean i've I've been on the you know I knew by after the South Florida game, it's going to be Road show. I was just hoping that he would grow and improve, and he certainly has. And um, William, it's just, it, to me, it's such a stunning turnaround. How much better this offense is when he's a willing runner, and how much better the red zone offense is when they have to account for him. Now the the the, the ground game is even more efficient. You saw him score three rushing touchdowns Saturday. They're able to score in the red zone. Uh, tight ends get open because of his his the threat of him running. You know, Mark Stoops basically admitted it after the game. He's like he just puts you in a bind, and 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 that play you're talking about to Dupree down the middle, I loved it because they faked the toss and did it. It was a play that in earlier in the season, Milro was late on and threw an interception. This time he was not. He's become so much better and his timing is better. I personally my favorite play of the game. I I don't know. Uh, you know, you probably are going to remember it. It, it. I thought it put the game away. Kentucky made a little run. They got within 28-14 because Alabama, you know, they, they, they screwed up another punt, returned and muffed it, gave them a touchdown, and then they got a, a roughing the passer penalty because, you know, I, I'm sure the national media and everybody else is still pissed off about LSU, so they've been raising hell. And so they, you know, and, and the funny thing is is that, it probably was roughing – they called roughing on Dallas. This was probably roughing as well because John Marion Latham kind of went up high. But they and that, that sustained the drive, and they scored that touchdown. So they were still in the game. But it was third and 18, and Milrow just threw an absolute bullet to, uh, to, to Kobe Prentice to move the chains. And Alabama went on and scored a touchdown, and the game was effectively over. And to me, that was a great answer by Alabama – and showed a lot of maturity and showed a lot of maturity on, you know, on the uh, Jalen Milrose part. And he's just come a long way. He's a true weapon at the quarterback position. And I think that's why there's a lot of teams nervous out there uh, about, uh, you know, Alabama and how good they're, they have the p- potential to become. But to me, I, 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 there's still a lot of anxiety and hangering out there for people about Alabama getting in the playoff. All I'll say is this. They, we know they're going to beat Chattanooga. Uh, we're all going to say that and in a rout, uh, but you know, it comes down to beating Auburn. You've got to beat Auburn if you're a championship team, and then you got to beat a team that's probably going to be on a 29-game winning streak in Georgia, so you're the last team to beat Georgia back in the early December of 2021. It'll almost be, I guess it'll be two full years since Georgia's lost a game by that point, and if you're a championship team, you can, you'll beat them and and, William, I'm sorry, I know there's other teams that need to lose. I think they will. I don't, you, you never see four or five undefeated teams. I think, you know, if Alabama's a 12-1 and SEC champion, I don't see, you know, how Alabama can be left out of the playoff.
2: No, I agree with that. And, and you know, I, I think it's also going to be interesting because this is the last year that we have to worry about having this conversation.
1: Yeah, because um, the standard you know, playoff.
2: Yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if the 2024, uh, you know, playoff structure was in place last year, um, Alabama would have been in the playoffs and probably have made the national championship game. Um, you know, same thing this year. And, and, and you know, after looking at, I mean, I haven't looked at any schedules um, outside of the SEC. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's a good thing, in my opinion, that, you know, a two-team, a two-loss team can can you know make the part of the college football playoff team because some of these schedules next year are just downright nasty. Yeah. Um, no. I think Alabama's got a stretch where they're you know it's Oklahoma, Tennessee, um, Missouri, and then I think they got Georgia early in the year. LSU's got a nasty one. Um, so you know we won't even be having this discussion. Um, and, and and two, I mean. I think that's why I really like this new playoff format because, you know, Alabama was clicking on all cylinders last year um, at the end of the season. They're they're, they're there again now. And, um, you know, I think this is kind of more of a, uh, you know, versus, you know, having to sit by your television every Tuesday night, eating popcorn, um, you know, hoping somebody – you know, makes makes a different decision than what they're probably going to, what you know, make is no fun way to live. But like I said, I, I'm not even worried about it. Um, if they, I uh, if they beat Georgia, um, they will uh, they'll, they'll get in. Um, you know, if they don't, they're probably not going to. But that still doesn't take away from, you know, just how good this season has progressed and become. From where they were after week two, and probably even the mess in week three after the South Florida game.
1: Yeah, and I'm gonna bring Thomas, bringing you into the conversation. Uh, I know in, in this show because of the opponent coming up on Senior Day, uh, Chattanooga. This was this is a game we I believe we all understand Alabama's gonna win this game. Uh, no disrespect, and I and I'm glad William did tell me that Whammy Ward was the defense coordinator. I had no idea. I'm I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's still in college football, but this is a game that Alabama's going to probably rest. Gonna, I think they will rest several starters. A lot of the guys that you saw, the Ja'Cory Brooks, the Deontay Lawsons, the Jalen Keys, uh, we'll see on Burton how well he is. They don't need him, though, in this game. They'll rest several guys and get them ready to, for Auburn, but uh, you know Alabama's got everything in front of them, Thomas, and if they take care of business, I don't see how you keep
0: them out. So, Alabama does have a problem when it comes to Texas. But th- this is one of those cases where the inconsistencies of the college football playoff committee could work out in Alabama's favor. You look at how things went, and you know you can go back to 2014, arguably the worst decision the committee has made, not because Ohio State went in at four and then won the national championship, it was the bizarre reasoning around it. If you remember that year, it was TCU. It was Baylor or TCU. I don't remember which one it was. It was one of the Big 12 schools. And they play their last game of the year on championship Saturday because the Big 12 did not have a championship game at the time. They win like 55-3 to 3 over a very, very bad Iowa State team. And... You know, what, what else are they supposed to do? Like, are they supposed to annihilate them 550 to 3? Like, what else is this? Ohio State then goes on to play Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game and blasts a good Wisconsin team. Ohio State jumps TCU. Now, again, you vindicate the decision after the fact, but that doesn't mean that the decision in a vacuum made a ton of sense. Now, what does this mean to Alabama? So if we were to take who I think, how this thing is going to shake out, want, the loser of the game, that is Michigan versus Ohio State, is out. They're done. Yeah, um, but the winner will win the big 10. Um, they yeah. whoever the heck they play in the other division is going to be Roadkill. So they'll probably go in as the number one seed. Georgia will probably stay at two until they play Alabama. Should Alabama win? Georgia's out. All right, cool. Florida State has become one of the cardiac kids recently, but let's just assume for the sake of argument that Florida State wins out. Uh, And really, that shouldn't be too much of a stretch because they've got North Alabama, which is an auto win, and a not very good Florida team on the remainder of their schedule. Again, And then they go and play a very feisty Louisville team. Yeah. You know, that, that, is, that is what it is. We'll just let's say Florida State beats Louisville, they'll be a pretty solid favorite in that game. So, you know, that's two for sure. Uh, then you've got a real snarl in the Pac 12. Washington, because of the loser of the game, would be in the driver's seat. I think Oregon's going to beat the snot out of Washington. I think Washington's a very bad football team. I'm just going to say it. Um, Georgia. Michigan, Ohio State would probably beat Washington by three or four scores. Uh, They have no defense, and Penix, while awesome when he's on, is inconsistent. So I think Washington's going to get out of the way. But then that would put Oregon in, because Oregon's currently ahead of Alabama. Then you have this Texas problem. You know, Texas is ahead of Alabama. Frankly, that is debatable, but... You've got to go head-to-head, go with it, smile, move on, happy days. Ignore the fact that Texas just struggled with a previously 4-5 and five TCU, and they just lost their number one running back to a knee injury. So, but I think Texas is going to win the Big 12. And assume Alabama beats Georgia, which drops Georgia out. Well, suddenly it gets really, really weird, because it, Alabama, by resume, will have the strongest of the one losses, even if you, can't, even if you factor in Texas head-to-head. And and this is the most important thing for Alabama fans. They will have the most impressive win of any of these folks. Because think about it, Georgia will be higher, will be more highly rated than Washington. Even and Oregon, you know, okay, cool, rock on. But Texas will probably get Oklahoma, but Oklahoma's fallen off a cliff. Yeah, and, and Alabama will have beaten in this scenario. A, a previously undefeated for the past two full calendar years team, I think that would push Alabama in. And I, I could see them coming from a fifth or a sixth into fourth on the back of one of those wins. And some at the end of the day, if it happens that way, someone's going to be pissed off. Honestly, if I had to guess, I would be willing to bet it's Oregon because... You know, this is when the resume thing becomes really, really weird. Because right now, Oregon is not the best one-loss team by pure resume. It's Alabama. Now, I understand you have the Texas roadblock. I'm not even going to argue that point. But the problem is, if you're going to couple Texas and Alabama, Oregon should be underneath Texas and Alabama. But if teams keep winning then you're going to get into this college football playoff committee mealy mouth nonsense. That is all to say, though, that all of this crap is just theater, and it doesn't matter until the day after championship Saturday because everything can change. And frankly, should Alabama defeat Georgia, everything will change. I, I mean— you're going to get, and this, this, this just makes me cringe. You're going to see a groundswell of support for Jalen Milrow in New York. Should he beat Georgia? You're going to see the notion of Nick Saban's best coaching job. This is the team. No one wants to face. This is the best team in America, not named Michigan. Should Michigan be undefeated? This is the best team in America, not named Ohio state. Should Ohio state be undefeated? And, that's, I think that's the kind of groundswell that would be creative in, created in this scenario, and it would carry Alabama through. Now, does that mean that Alabama's going to go do it? I don't know. I would be willing to bet that Georgia would be a touchdown favorite right now over Alabama if in Vegas. I'd, I'd be interested to see that line. It might be lower now, given what Alabama has shown over the past two weeks. But if Alabama does that, it's, you know, it's again, you're going to really put the committee in a bind, but I think it's going to be desperately hard. It's going to be ridiculous to me to punish a team that is peaking in November versus a team that's kind of clunking their way in. And that's where suddenly it gets real weird with Texas because I'll be honest between the injuries and the inconsistency, if there's one team that hasn't looked great, and now they didn't have Quinn Ewers, but has not looked great over the past month. Man, it's the Texas Longhorns, Drew.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, they they could have easily dropped the last two games. They they were lucky to escape against K-State, and then I watched the last couple of minutes of that TCU game where they hit the deep ball to dig their way out of the hole. So they've escaped twice. I mean, in a way, it's good for Alabama because it, that, that's uh, Alabama's only lost and Texas is ranked in that top eight, but they could have easily fallen out. So we'll see, uh, no doubt about it. Like Williams already said, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and and, and, and say 56-7 to Alabama over Chattanooga, and I'm just saying they'll get the seven against the backups. Alabama needs to play plenty of guys uh, like they did yesterday. I agree with what Williams said. I hope we see, uh, you know, uh, Ty Simpson taking the first half of the second half, just have him warm up and be ready because, William, I think you already mentioned it, you know, a thigh contusion or a, a hip pointer or whatever can be a a a weird injury. And so they need to get him some reps to stay sharp, but also get him some rest as well, because the defining amen corner of the season is going to be the trip to Jordan-Hare and Auburn. And then we already know a, a, a chance to play Georgia. So you you give yourself if you can beat Auburn and you uh, and then you can halt the, the dogs uh, winning streak. I think Alabama would be in the playoff, and the scary thing is this year, uh, it's not going to be a battle of unbeatings. In the past, there was thought that even if you lost the game, you'd still be in the fourteen team playoff. But the loser of that Georgia-Alabama game, I don't think, is going to get in.
2: No, I don't either. Um, it's it's and it, you know it's just kind of been a you know a crazy year in, in college football with the. Um, you know this being the last year of of CBS doing the SEC to the Eastern and and Western divisions to the the Harbaugh scandal you know now with with you know some pretty you know big college football programs firing their coach uh today or last 24 hours uh there's probably be more to come um it's 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 really going to set up for a crazy um you know December and 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 post season Um, You know, playoff picture. But, you know, like I said before, however, it turns out for this Alabama team, um, you know, I think they have really, um, you know, changed the narrative. Um, You you know, I mean, we were all, uh, you know, on the on the critical Jalen Milroe bus, uh, you know, a month and a half ago. And and I, I don't really, you know, apologize for it because at the time it was warranted. Um, anybody that says that they saw this type of uh you know transformation taking place um you know at the end of September is a liar um uh, but you know I'm glad to see it happen not not just for him but you know the um the offensive line has grown and gotten more consistent um, i think yesterday was certainly their lowest sack output um, and you know on both sides of the ball you know it's it's i know we were talking about uh wild turkey golding before we started recording, but, you know, it's just been, you know, awesome to, you know, come out of a half, the, the first half of every game. And you see, I'm not saying the adjustments were always worked to perfection, but at least there were adjustments. And uh, so, you know, that, that's been a, you know, a big bonus. Um, you know, if, if you look at, at, you know, the way Nick Saban has kind of rebuilt the, the talent pool, you um, you know, in the last two recruiting classes, and he's probably going to continue on that train with this year's class. And I think it's going to be his most active year, uh, you know, in the transfer portal. Um, you know, I think the, the, the buildup and, and the expectations for, um, even with a more difficult schedule, I think this is going to be one dangerous football
1: team in, in 2024. Yeah, I do, too. And, you know, I, I got a phone call before uh, our show, and it was a friend of mine who uh, lives in Rome, Georgia, and he's got a connection to someone that has spoken with Peter Woods, and sounds like Peter Woods is not happy. It'll be interesting to see if he gets in the transfer portal, if he comes uh, home to Alabama and can get his career back on track because we've seen Alabama's defensive line take, uh, you know, a lot of strides this year. Uh, and become a force. Certainly, Justin Aboigbe is having one hell of a senior year. He had another sack Saturday. I think he's got four and a half in his last five or six games and played really well. And The defensive line is going to be a key to the drill for the next few weeks for Alabama. Uh, There's no doubt about that. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, the Crimson Tide, you know, have have got a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, work left to do to get back to the playoff. And in an SEC championship, uh, you know, and uh, they haven't won it since 2021. And I know for some teams, that's you know that that you know <laughs> that uh, would be a, well, you know that, that would have been quite an accomplishment at Alabama, uh, you know, with what Nick Saban's built. You know, it's it's considered a little bit of a drought, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, it it, was, it almost seemed like a rite of passage to get to Atlanta. So, but it's been great to see this team earn it. Because after that Texas game, a lot of people wrote Alabama off, and especially with the struggles against South Florida. But this offensive line has come a long, long way, and we, have not surprisingly, uh, the uh, that picture that we shared last week of the Swamp Monster, known as Jaden Roberts, uh, I tweeted it out again last night, and it probably got the most action of any uh, anything I posted. Uh, you know, he's that guy has made such a huge impact on this offensive line with his production and, and I, I'm like you, I thought it was the probably their best uh, game of pass protection yesterday against Kentucky. They didn't, you know, run the ball like you, you know, it, w- it was good, not great. They got 159 yards. It seemed like more that they were able to play all four of the tailbacks, including justice Hayes. And so I've enjoyed watching jam Miller. He got a touchdown yesterday and his role has expanded for this team and uh, and again, I just think I I, want, I I feel like I feel good about the wide receiver core with the way they were able to reduce without, uh, you know, their, who, who's been their best player in Jermaine Burden. I thought Malik Benson did some good things. He threw a great block to spring uh, Roy Dell Williams in for a touchdown on that uh, pass from Milrow on third down, and they did a great job there. And I thought that, you know Kobe Prince stepped up. He was the lead receiver. There was a lot of guys that have that have started to become, you know, weapons in this offense. And so it's a fun offense to watch now with Jalen Milrose maturity and the way he's playing. And certainly I think uh, this, this team has gotten a lot better. Uh, they're playing great complimentary football. And certainly uh, they've got some things to clean up, but they've, they've got a chance now to do some special things. And that's what we're going to be looking toward, no doubt about it. And uh, they need to get healthy. Uh, down this stretch because it's going to take everybody to win at Auburn and then to go to Atlanta and have a chance to win. But certainly it's going to be great to get another shot at Georgia, who is, so far they've they've navigated it. their schedule hasn't been the most difficult. They I I don't think that trip to Knoxville looks nearly as as uh, daunting as it did going into yesterday. As boy, the balls laid the biggest turd of the weekend. And I don't – look, I'm not going to say that Mississippi State did because they've been awful for a while. But for as good as Tennessee's supposed to be, Thomas, uh, Missouri handled them. And I think Nick Saban's done his best coaching job. You and Red Fisher both said that. I don't disagree. But at the same time, it's hard to ignore what Elijah Drinkwitz has done at Missouri. And they just flat destroyed Tennessee 36-7. to And if you hate Tennessee as much as I do, it was fun to watch.
0: Well, Josh Heupel has, unfortunately, underscored his undefeated-at-home, god-awful-on-the-road reputation. And, you know, that's something he's got to overcome. I think they will play Georgia pretty close for, you know, probably a half, maybe two and a half quarters, but Georgia will pull away. But, you know, I didn't get to talk about the Kentucky game, Drew, and I really want to go go over some stats that that really blew my mind. So. You know, Alabama had 444 total yards. Take out the second teamers; that's about 350 in like two and a half quarters. That's winning football. Like there's there's just no way around it. That that's that's supremely excellent. And something that needs to be pointed out is how the offense has evolved in the past two weeks. It's very very easy to discount what Jalen Milrow did against LSU because he probably could have done, barely could have done better against Air. LSU's defense is just that bad. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of put that one on the shelf, put it in a box, you know, whatever. But Kentucky, while not world beaters by any stretch of the imagination, Kentucky's not a bad football team. You know, they're 6-4. and four. They've beaten who they're supposed to beat. They've lost pretty badly to most of the teams they're supposed to lose to. And, you know, their losses are Alabama, Missouri, Georgia, and a squeaker to Tennessee. So, you know, pretty solid, not wonderful, but pretty solid football team overall. But you look at that, you know, Alabama has enough yards to put Kentucky away by, you know, halfway through the third quarter, essentially. But where it gets really gross is when you look at the other side of the ball. Kentucky had 253 total yards. And you're like, wow, well, that's that's a decent number of yards. Until you realize that one play against the twos was about 74 of those yards where Kentucky got their third touchdown. So I'm going to have fun with numbers because I can do that. And I'm going to take that away. And Alabama holds up to about 180. So you're talking 150 passing yards and let's just call it 30 rush yards for a good, not great SEC team. I don't care. And on the road, I don't care who you are. That's an impressive performance, but I want to talk about Jalen Merrill a little bit more because I killed him on multiple occasions. Like I, it tech, his, yeah. his quarterbacking from a technical standpoint left so much to be desired. And again, he is late outside the hashes and over the middle is scary. That is just a Jalen Milrow thing. It's going to be a Jalen Milrow thing until he proves that he can do it consistently. But what he's added to his game far outweighs that. And we've now seen it for two straight weeks against the LSU air defense and against a good Kentucky defense. And it's, he's, com- he's gotten comfortable enough to break the pocket and roll – Generally, he prefers to roll to his right, but he probably could roll to his left. And what he'll do is freeze and make a defender either commit to him or commit to staying with their man, with their zone, with their whatever. But he pulls the defense's eyes to him in a similar way to what Brock Bowers does for Georgia with, frankly, similar results, except Jalen Monroe touches the ball every play. And what I mean is, you're gonna go get Milrow. You're gonna stick with your man. If you don't, if you go get Milrow, Milrow will throw it over your head. If you stick with your man, yeah. Milrow's gonna take off. He might score a touchdown. He's probably gonna get a first down. That is undefendable. Like that is that that is something where because of how Milrow's playing and Tommy Reese's is drawing plays up, that is not something that any defense can defend because you're inevitably going to get a player or two caught in an absolute bind that there's no right answer. And you saw it, I believe on the Kobe Prentice touchdown yesterday, Bill Roe rolls to his right. Uh, he, he's looking, 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 there's some green grass, but there's a guy collapsing on him. Yoop, touchdown. That's, That is the nightmare for defensive coordinators because you absolutely have to have two guys over there, which means you're probably spying Jalen Milrow, which means you're actually defending, you know, 10 on 10, which is not great considering, you know, now you're suddenly probably rushing four against five. So you have this nightmare scenario. And that to me is the biggest evolution in Jalen Milrow's game. I know Jordan Rodgers on the SEC Network illustrated the flood concepts And just to break that down a little bit more for fans who don't know, Jalen Milrow is still not there doing full field reads, but if you hit him with levels on a half field read, he's going to be able to figure that out. And that's been pretty consistent for Alabama. And that's, you know, Tommy Reese getting better as a play caller, Jalen Milrow getting better as a quarterback and adding facets to his game. And that's a huge deal. Like, If you go, you don't take the team that beat, that lost to Texas by 10 against the Georgia Bulldogs, I'm going to spend the next three weeks preparing to tell fans that you should take Alabama against the Georgia Bulldogs. Like there's, it's fair to be confident if you're an Alabama fan going forward and you know, it's, it's. If Alabama can get through that goddamn voodoo hellhole in West Georgia, where they do nonsense to the field and sacrifice cows in effigy, then, you know, here we go, fellas, because that's going to be an absolute war against the Georgia Bulldogs. I don't want to say war. That's not really cool. It's going to be a fight.
1: Yeah, it will be. And William, I know you played in games like this. Is it more important for Alabama just to get guys rest and get ready for that two-week gauntlet with Auburn and, uh, and Georgia? Well, I mean, I, I think
2: you approach it, um, you know, kind of in the same way that, that uh, you know, Coach Stallings approached a game like this. You know, it, if the score going into halftime is what I think it's probably going to be, you know, you tell the starters on offense, look, go out there and get me one score on the first drive of the second half and you're done for the day. And, um, you know, I, I think you have to you, – you touched on it earlier, Drew. You have to touch on – I mean, balance the rest versus keeping, um, you know, a quarterback in rhythm. Um, so, you know, I think that's that's the, the ticket. And, um, you know, these, the, these kids, you know, they've um, – you know, played in some hostile environments on the road this year. Um, so, you know, I don't think they're going to be overwhelmed, uh, you know, what's waiting on them down there at the haunted house. But, um, you know, it's it's a big game. It's it's one of the best rivalries in college football. Um, so, you know, that's that's just going to be their, their next step. Uh, you know, going back to the Texas A&M situation, while you and Thomas were talking, it, it kind of all of a sudden hit me um, as to – What kind of message does this send um, for A&M to name their defensive line coach as their interim head coach and their offensive coordinator as a multi-stop head coach at both the college level and the NFL and they don't make
1: Bobby Petrino the interim head coach? Well, it just means Bob's going to be updating his resume and he's very likely not going to be on the staff as we are referring to. Dirtneck, A.K.A. Jimbo, we kind of talked about it at the start of this in the opening statement. But Jimbo is now gone from A&M. He will not finish. It'll be interesting to see who gets that job. We've already heard some very interesting names uh, come up for it. Uh, And so, and like William mentioned earlier, probably uh, A&M has a pretty good idea who they're going to go after, making the move this quick. You would think Zach Arnett and Sam Pittman would be the next two in the SEC out the door, but we will see about that. Uh, certainly. And again, uh, you know, it, it's not so much. I know I made a score prediction, 56-7 Alabama over Chattanooga. That's just a number. But uh, as William just referenced, it's just about Alabama taking care of business and getting the starters out by the third quarter, In the beginning. I think we all understand that Alabama is going to win this game and win it handily. Uh, and I, I know Thomas agrees with that as well. So that's what this is going to be about. This is going to be about handling business and getting healthy because again, It will be a tough road trip to Auburn, but I think Alabama's better in all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. They just have got to continue to keep their nose to the grindstone and and take care of business. And you want Dylan Milrow as healthy as possible heading into these last two games, no doubt about it, because they're going to need him uh, since he's become basically the identity of this football team. He's now up to over 2,000 yards passing, 16 touchdowns. Six picks, he only threw one bad ball yesterday. And as I called it on the Bama Recap Show this morning, I called it the Brett Favre because, look, Milro has a cannon, and he's extremely mobile. He thought he could scramble, you know, and get to the outside and throw back across his body and complete it. There was a receiver there, but there's also a DB. It's a learning process. He threw an interception. But for the most part, he has taken care of the football, no doubt about it. And uh, that will be a key for the next next week against uh, Chattanooga and then on into Auburn and Atlanta against uh, you know uh, the uh, the uh, Georgia Bulldogs but uh, I will say I, I think uh, it, you know Alabama this has been a fun team to watch William and Thompson both mentioned it already. I love the growth of the team. Uh, they weren't fun to watch early but they were working out a lot of kinks. Tommy Reese is getting used to the new guys. Eric Wolford was working out the kinks in the O line the O line has gotten I think a lot better and they have a chance to now make a statement at the end of November and into early December and help Alabama get back uh, to the college football playoff. Uh, Also, there's been some recruiting news right before we went on. Alabama got a 2025 commitment. It did bump their 2025 haul so far to number one in the country. Zion Grady from uh, the pass rusher. Uh, in the 2025 class with Charles Henderson of Troy. I believe he was the 5A lineman of the year last year, just as a sophomore. He commits to Alabama, so that's a big get. He's a five-star level talent. And it was thought that he was leaning to Alabama. He did commit officially right before our show. Uh, and then basketball recruiting, Alabama signed two really good players. we got a top-10 class right now. I don't think they're done, according to what people I've been speaking with That communicate with the coaching staff. But they got Aiden Sherrill, the five-star center, Prolific prep. They also got uh, Nas Cunningham, four star forward, top 50 player out of the state of California as well, originally from the East Coast. Nas is a six foot seven forward. So, and they get the 6'10 from Cheryl. So, they got two good players. Now, they didn't get Tyler Perry today, and I didn't think they would, or excuse me, I knew I'd call him Tyler. Travis Perry, pardon me. Travis Perry is a guard out of Eddyville, Kentucky. He stayed in state to play for the Wildcats and John Calipari. So, He's off the board. Alabama didn't get him, but they're still fighting for Darion Reed, the five-star, and the teammate of Aiden Sherrill's. Uh, and, they, and they've still been involved with uh, Billy Richmond as well, the forward. And Alabama got off to a good start in basketball since we last talked to y'all. They, they started out on Monday, uh, and they got a uh, 105-73 win over Moorhead State. And the two that led the way were the, the transfer portal additions of Grant Nelson and Aaron Estrada. And then they led the way again on uh, Friday as Alabama got a 102 to 80 win, uh, scoring 100 yet again against a good Indiana State team. So Alabama's basketball team off to a really nice start. Great to see. And we hope I wasn't able to cover either game. Uh, you know, some, uh, some, some uh, traffic accidents kept me from getting to the game on Monday. And then Friday I was with Huntsville High School. And I will be with Huntsville High this week as well as – they are going to play the number one team in the country. Uh, we are getting a chance to play Montverde Academy out of uh, Florida. That will be on Wednesday after we play DAR on Monday. So I should have a report uh, from the getting to see the best team in the country next Sunday after we recap uh, the uh, the uh, what we think is going to be a route against uh, Chattanooga, and then we'll be looking toward previewing the Iron Bowl matchup, which would be. Uh, you know, the next Saturday in Auburn, which should be a very interesting one with Auburn, uh, you know, uh, basically probably getting Sam Pittman the Ziggy uh, as uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks fall to the Tigers 48 to 10. And I guess as we're wrapping up the show, William, I'll go back to you. Uh, I know we're we're kind of looking over Chattanooga because we understand what kind of matchup that is. What were your impressions of Auburn this weekend as they routed the Hogs?
2: um you know i, I, I was yeah you know, i think auburn's gotten better um from yeah. where they were uh you know early in the fall to you know where they are now um it's it's uh um you know i think you kind of have to put a little bit of an asterisk on it because it's obvious that um you know arkansas probably has quit um yeah they are they're, they're you know i don't think that uh um that that this was a flash decision that was made. Yeah, that might've been the, the nail that sealed the coffin, but I think there has been some undercurrents and uproars about Sam Pitton's future in Arkansas for a couple months now. And, uh, but, you know, I think, I think the biggest thing that's, you know, uh, allowed them to improve, I think the defense has been pretty solid most of the season. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, uh Hugh Freeze getting back involved in the play calling. Uh there's been a definite improvement uh, in the last three to four weeks of of Peyton Thorne at quarterback, especially as a passer. So, you know, they've gotten better and uh it's it's with a you know not certainly the not the most talented roster that Auburn's put on the field, you know, in the last five years. So um, you know, it's it's gonna be a, a battle, um, you know, just like it always is. You know, there's been a lot more talented Alabama teams uh, that that have gone down there and struggled. And, uh, you know, I think that the key to, you know, that game is what you saw, uh, you know, Alabama do yesterday up in Lexington. I mean, if you go out there and, you know, Auburn's defense gets three or four stops in a row and, you know, maybe the offense for Auburn's able to cobble up seven to ten points in the first half then all of a sudden you've got a four-quarter, you know, war on your hands. But if they can go out and start fast and convert third downs and, you know, get stops on defense, then the narrative probably changes a little bit. But, I, you know, I certainly don't anticipate
1: any type of blowout against all of them. Well, and then here here's another bit of news from Pete Thamel. I just uh, noticed it. Uh, Jonathan Brooks, who's been the top tailback for Texas throughout this season, for his right ACL yesterday and will miss the remainder of the season. He was probably going to turn pro. Now he will likely return to school after surgery and rehab. But Jonathan Brooks out for the season and as we know, Texas uh, barely survived against K-State and TCU the last two weeks. It'll be interesting to see if they can ultimately win the Big 12 as they are ranked right above Alabama at number seven in the rankings. Uh, No question about that. So that's going to be a really interesting storyline to follow. And as William said, defensive line coach Elijah Robinson taking over as head coach of the Texas a Aggies. Before we go, William, I guess for the listeners, because we know what's been big in the news this week. And we and we talked about it a little bit on the show last week with Jim Harbaugh and this, and this uh, you know, uh, sign stealing. Seven. He's been suspended right now for the last three games but don't you have a story where you were actually Michigan recruited you and wasn't Harbaugh your host?
2: No, no, he wasn't my host. Uh, but he was, he was at the, um, you know, at, at the football facilities working out
0: gotcha. and, uh,
2: and, and, you know, got into uh, later that night after some uh, adult beverages, got into a little bit of trouble and, uh you know the the my recruiting coach was one Lester Miles
1: oh, and uh,
2: and and you know Les had to uh kind of break away from what he was doing to go take care of the situation but no he was already in the NFL when I was being recruited
1: I got you. I, I couldn't remember what the exact story was but I knew there was something with you and Harvard that kind of intertwined which uh I know I cuz I know you had family uh, out there in Michigan and I know they were on your short list of schools before you ultimately uh, committed to Auburn and then flipped from Auburn to Alabama.
2: Um, yeah, you know, and and you know, my mom, uh, you know, lives back up there now. Um, you know, I've got still got some family up in that part of the country, and um, you know, I, I don't know really. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I think that the colleges probably should have gone in the. The same direction that they're heading in now. I think they're going to do a um, a test run of having the the speaker and the QB's helmet uh, for the bowl games this year. I, I don't know if that's official yet, but I think that was something they were talking about. But you know, man, I mean, it's 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 been going on for years. You know, there's the uh, I, I can't remember which game it was. I think it was the game that that uh, Alabama lost at home uh to old miss back under the reverend's tenure and you know they had a former staff member uh that they had hired away from old miss tyler Siski. oh yeah Uh, you know there there was that famous picture of him with the binoculars and i don't think he was looking at alabama's sideline with the binoculars so um you know I, i think it's one of those deals at least up until this point if you're dumb enough to not change the signals every week you deserve what you get um but you know, Drew, I, I never did get any type of like context as to how the suspension goes. I mean, is he allowed to coach during the week and just not allowed on the sideline on Saturdays? What What's
1: it made of? I think it is. Thomas might be able to also add something to this if you can, Thomas. But sure. I think I think he can he can take the team through the week of practice, practice with the team, prepare do all the media stuff, but then once they travel to the side or they coach the game in Ann Arbor, I don't think he's allowed in the stadium or on the sideline during the game. Is that right, Thomas?
0: Yes, that's correct. And I think a point needs to be made here. You can look at the opposing sideline with binoculars during the game. That That is considered gamesmanship. That is acceptable. What is not acceptable is, is sending people to Advance Scout videotaping their play sheet, videotaping their signals, and using that to gain an unfair advantage. And the first one is okay. The second one is what this Connor Stallions is being accused of. And that's what got Jim Harbaugh suspended for now. I mean, there's that, that hearing on Friday. We'll see how that goes, that plays out. But, I, I mean, it's... It's not unequivocal that Michigan broke the rules, but do you think the Big Ten is, gonna, is going to punish their cash cow? In the last three weeks of the year, when the last three weeks of the year are, at the time, the number nine team and what might be the number one team in pr- arguably the biggest game of the biggest regular season game of the year, almost assuredly, because you could have a 1v2, Like, Michigan deserves a ton of credit for doing what they did to Penn State. They beat the snot out of those guys. But that's a tall, tall order to do in the game against that team. It's going to make for real interesting last couple of weeks of the regular season, Drew.
1: Yeah, it is. Go go
2: ahead, William. I was just going to say, um, and and it's it's funny to watch this. And, And, Thomas, going back to your point about the Big Ten, you know, with the optics of some of the stuff that and, – and, and granted, in the grand scheme of college football, um, I think a lot of this stuff is ticky-tack. But, you know, with the way the media pounces and drives stuff into the ground, it, they, they may have to, to you know, keep the suspension in place. Um, you know, he's already been, you know, gotten into trouble for – hell, he, he was suspended at the beginning of the season. Huh um you know for the recruiting violations and impermissible contact for the uh the covid year and um uh, but, g- but going back you you just kind of jarred my memory talking about the Michigan Penn State game you know i i was flipping back and forth during the Alabama Kentucky uh game um and and i mean this this James Franklin um i'm not saying he's as bad as Jimbo but i mean they they hype penn state up every year huh. and i mean i i watched them i watched the uh, two and a half quarters of penn state when they played ohio state and i mean it's like turning on the michigan ohio state game circa 1982 um they're 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 big and they're slow there's no game changers i mean i do think they got a pretty uh uh, nice, you know, rock hammer on defense and chop Robinson, but I mean, what, what you know, James Franklin is just up there stealing money. Um, every year, you know, they they kind of beat the sisters of the poor, and and then just you know fade like a fla- you know fade like a flower in November. Um, you know, he has he really you know ridden that that you know two good seasons that he had at Vanderbilt. Um but you know they're they're gonna you know run out of patience up there. I mean, you know it's great if you're in the top ten in september and, and half of October, but I don't know it just um if if you didn't realize this uh i think i I saw on sports center or somewhere that the last twenty eight offensive plays that Michigan ran were run plays, yep in the game and i don't know man i just i just that that james franklin guy i mean he was a hot name you know when he got that penn state job but i mean i, I don't really see where he's you know elevated it he's he's still you know the third best program in the big 10 right now uh you know behind michigan and ohio
1: state yeah and andy avalos uh has now been uh fired at boise state too after only two years so that job is. Hey, they can be. hire Harson back. Yeah, I've already been talking about that. Hell, even Dirtneck might get a uh, could, could get a look at uh, at uh, Boise State. And the amazing thing is, like I say, he gets the 76 million no matter if he takes another job or not. So it's not like he ever has to work again. But he can definitely take a look at that job. And William, it's perfect. Uh, you know, uh, segue. You talked about Penn State being overrated. They have now fired OC Mike Yurcich. He is gone after that pathetic performance against Michigan. So uh, the uh, Penn State uh, OC job is now open after uh, Michigan. I I just don't see that as a badge of honor, having to not throw a pass in the second half. Good Lord. I still, if you're Michigan, if you're going to win a national championship, you're going to have to throw the ball. Well, and and, and also, too, going
2: back to, to Penn State for a second, I actually had the opportunity earlier this year because they weren't, you know, it seems like Michigan is always opposite of Alabama, and I'll, I'll watch some plays during the commercials, but I actually attempted to watch the Penn State-Ohio State game in yeah. its entirety.
1: Oh, wow. And probably
2: yeah. two or three minutes into the third quarter. Um, yeah, I, I just had to turn it off. I mean, he, he, <laughs> hell, uh, Franklin and whoever the guy was that he just hired, I mean, hell, they made Gene Stallings and Mal Moore look like freaking uh, – Oh, God, the, the 49ers head coach, Bill Walsh. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I mean, it was just obviously – I mean, it, they attempt to run a modern offense, but they're just not very good at it.
1: All right. Uh, yeah, I, I tried to watch some of that game, too. And it, it about put me to sleep. I mean, and even some of that game yesterday, Michigan and Penn State, it was just a, it's boring. But we'll see, uh, certainly, because I do think either Michigan or Ohio State will be in the playoff and, one of them will be gone because they're both not going to win. Just like I was trying to tell people yesterday, uh, either Oregon or Washington, somebody's going to go fall by the wayside. Then you need uh, probably Texas to lose, and I'm still not sure they're going to win the Big 12. But we will see, no doubt about it. But it's been a great show. We took a look back at Alabama's 49-21 to win. Very impressive uh, with the growth of Jalen Milroe and defensively what Alabama was able to do without key guys like, Uh, Deontay Lawson, who may be the best middle linebacker in the SEC, and Jalen Key, uh, the starting safety. We all believe it's going to be a route, just a matter, you know, it's just a matter of how many points are going to be scored against Chattanooga for Alabama. The main thing is to come out healthy and get guys back for that stretch run (coughs) against uh, Auburn and uh, certainly uh, Georgia. But we'll talk more about that Iron Bowl next week. May have some more recruiting news. And the coaching carousel is going to continue to spin as it's already started with the dismissal of Dirt Neck, a.k.a. Jimbo Fisher, and Andy Avalos at Boise State. But for William Redfish Barger, for Thomas the Wizard Watts, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. We'll be back next Sunday to review uh, the win over, I'm going to go ahead and call it, the uh, Senior Day Victory over Chattanooga, and then preview the annual Iron Bowl with the Auburn Tigers. And everybody, uh, we appreciate you for continuing to support us. Thank you for any anybody that decides to uh, contribute to our Patreon. But good night, everybody, and we'll talk to you next Sunday and Roll Tide